0: Please be advised. All music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and our original compositions. Thank you. To everyone tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. Hello, everyone. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to a special segment of the Kelson on the Air social work podcast. I am talking with the founder of a very wonderful campaign called Black Philanthropy Month. This actually started back in 2011. I just found out about it about three weeks ago. So I just want to share with my listeners just a little bit about how this all came to be. And then I'm going to introduce my very esteemed guest, Dr. Jacqueline Bouvier-Copeland, who is the founder of Black Philanthropy Month. So I was on a train ride up to Albany, Back in 2018, I'm a member of the National Association of Social Workers, and at the time, I was a board member representing the Long Island region of Nassau and Suffolk County in New York State. I met a young lady on the train ride up to Albany. Her name happened to be Destiny. We struck up a conversation. I told her I was a social worker. She told me she was involved in um, in the corporate world and also in corporate philanthropy and so we exchanged information we contacted each other after that weekend i heard from her a couple of times and then i never heard from her again until three weeks ago i got an email from someone named destiny stating that she'd been following my podcast and that she thought i had some very interesting topics and she'd like to try to collaborate in some way and so after i did a little research to try to figure out who this person named Destiny was I realized that it was the same lady that I met on the train 2 years ago and so when we connected again she told me that the thing that stood out most was that on the train ride that I took the time to introduce myself and I talked to her about how people don't reach out and talk to each other anymore and she said that was what stood out which made her remember me and she started following my podcast and she wanted to get um back in touch with me she was the one that told me about Black Philanthropy Month. She told me about it. She gave me the website. I went, I researched it, and I was amazed. I was very, very inspired and motivated. And so I reached out to the uh, organization and I was able to secure an interview with my very esteemed guest who I'm going to introduce now. My guest for today on this special segment of the Kelso on the Air Social Work Podcast is Dr. Jacqueline Bouvier-Copeland. She's checking in from California. She's the founder of Black Philanthropy Month. Uh, She has earned her PhD and two masters in anthropology and urban design with US. Africa, South Asia and diaspora concentrations from the University of Pennsylvania. She earned her undergraduate degree in literature and African studies from the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University. And she's a co-founder of the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network, uh, which kind of goes by the acronym POPNET which is a global association of African descent and allied women leaders, donors, and activists of all backgrounds. She's also the founder and chair of the wise fund and wise is an acronym that stands for women invested to save earth, which supports women technologists of indigenous and African descent with promising eco-health solutions to climate change that also advance the social and economic well-being of disadvantaged communities in Africa, Australia, Brazil, and the United States. Dr. Copeland also serves on the board of advisors for the alternative energy company called Uncharted Power. In 2013, she received the Hero for Health Award for her dedication and commitment to the social justice field and outstanding achievements in the areas of leadership and research. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce my esteemed guest for today, Dr. Jacqueline Bouvier Copeland, founder of Black Philanthropy Month. Welcome, Dr. Copeland.
1: Thanks. And thank you for having me and your
0: interest in uh, Black Philanthropy Month. Yes, so and uh, I found it very interesting when I started uh, perusing the website. So um, as we get started, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more history and background of the origins of Black Philanthropy Month. And how it got started.
1: Okay. And I'll give a little bit of a prehistory and then kind of walk you through today. Yes. So I'm originally from Philadelphia. And I've worked in different parts of Africa and the world. And in 1995, moved to Minneapolis. It just so happens that while I was there, according to the census, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, ended up with the most diverse black community of any city in the U.S. Based on ethnicity. And uh, at the time, it had more Somalis, more Kenyans, and more Liberians than any place else in the U.S., and large Ethiopian and Nigerian communities, in addition to a long standing centuries old African American community. And um, because I had worked in the field of philanthropy and nonprofit in Africa and throughout the diaspora for so long, People had, uh, particularly women, who were starting nonprofits or some sort of philanthropy to collect and give money
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: to projects in Minnesota, elsewhere in the U.S. or the world, started coming to me to seek advice. And I became like a pro bono advisor to this very diverse group of black women philanthropists. And it occurred to me, I said, you know, my African-American friends, girlfriends, and colleagues do not know these amazing Africans. And some of them went for the Caribbean and Brazil and other parts of South America and even Europe. I said, they don't know each other. And I was just being exposed to some very creative ways of doing community support. And philanthropy. And so the simple idea was, let's get people together. Uh, and initially over lunch, periodically. And we ended up forming a coalition, one that you mentioned, the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network. Yes. And the coalition started sponsoring summits, And I was so inspired by their work that in concert with the UN separation, of um, the decade for people of African descent, I founded Black Philanthropy Month in 2011 uh, in Minneapolis at a conference that brought Black women from as far as Australia and Kenya uh, to really talk about how we give uh, the kinds of support we need because uh, giving tends to be a um, Women take a lot of leadership roles in community giving. Mm-hmm. And so that morphed into a movement. It uh, was very much driven by social media and technology because we were volunteers. And then two additional women joined in 2013 as part of the leadership. Belata Fullwood, creator of the Solar Philanthropy, and Tracy Webb of black black benefactors and they together with the original members of PopNet, have been working with me. We've been working together sort of as a sisterhood to advance this entire effort, which has now reached 17 million people.
0: I saw that your reach has gotten astronomically great due to those efforts. Now, in general, I'd like to ask, um, and thank you for that, how has Black Philanthropy Month been received in philanthropic circles and what has been the reaction to the initiative once you got the ball rolling? It's really
1: really interesting because, you know, there are different types of philanthropy and, like, different sectors within philanthropy. And so my my work... And my work I've tried to be very inclusive of community philanthropists, as well as those who work in philanthropy for a living, a professional mm-hmm. philanthropist, as well as the full diversity of our community because there's so many different ways that we do giving and it's rooted in so many so much of our culture and ancient practice. Yes. And so, it's been received uh, very well overall in that it seems to have struck a nerve because the giving we do is all really a story of how we have always tried to help ourselves mm-hmm. and um, mobilize for change. Yes. Uh, using August was important because August is, as you know, a month. That has deep meaning in terms of Black activism
2: mm-hmm. in
1: the U.S. and worldwide, and it's also Black Business Month. I, I recently learned that. Oh, wow. Myself. <laughs> um, and so there, August. I'm hoping has become now like the beginning of the Black Giving season. I see. And. And, you know, that I'm hoping that through black philanthropy month, black companies, individuals, our um, social organizations are all thinking, okay, I, I know now that my giving for this time, silent treasure of voice makes a huge difference and is the engine of our history and our future. Yes. So absolutely. how am I in my family going to plan my giving for 2020 and then how am I going to work with others as a collective next year to ensure that black species get visibility and that I'm part of the change I would say this year we made a couple of changes that have deepened I think the support of the foundation Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for Black Philanthropy Month. So, although we still have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, even the beginning of the year, I wanted us to increase our visibility. And then my partners and I have been talking about how to promote sustainability for Black Philanthropy Month. This has really been just a small group of us putting this together with our own volunteerism and resources. Mm-hmm. And so the original plan was for Black few months to do a summit with about 2,300 people at Indiana University, the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, one of our partners, and then live stream the event so that black people throughout the country and the world could participate. Well, COVID hit, and, uh, and uh, the title of that event always was Black Giving and Beyond. Mm-hmm. Because we give about $11 billion a year, and we have the highest level. We get the highest percentage of our income in philanthropy as African Americans. mm mm-hmm. However, we are severely underfunded.
2: Yes, by
1: foundations. Mm-hmm. Depending on the study you look at, we only get two to five percent of foundation funding. And then when you look at funding to black businesses, mm-hmm. venture funding, social investment, we only get about one percent. Yes, and then black women only get point zero zero six percent. So it's really abysmal. Any way you look at it, yes. Funding our nonprofits, our businesses, we are doing. We're doing a lot, but it's an economic justice issue because, uh, for a whole range range of racial biases, we do not get fair funding. Yes, for access to capital, and so this land, black lands of I want to look at both, not just philanthropy, but funding overall, no matter where it came from, and pull together philanthropists, our everyday givers, uh, the venture funders, and the social investors. Mm -hmm. And so Black Giving and Beyond ended up being a four-day series of events that we did that have engaged at least directly 2,000 people. I'm sure there are millions more. Through social media, we haven't even caught up breath enough to calculate all that. And one of the most promising trends is that we got more foundation sponsors mm-hmm. because, um, and this year too, once COVID hit, the entire event ended up being virtual. And I wanted to use this high-tech uh, platform that would actually simulate a. Like a black community
2: mm-hmm. and
1: space that was futuristic and referred sort of to even Wakanda like.
2: Yes. And
1: so uh, we did that. People seemed to really resonate with it, felt like it was a healing space. It allowed more interaction than like a typical web- webinar. Mm-hmm. And so um, that went well. And I'm hoping for more support because we want to expand the route so there are not people like you who haven't heard of it. And that is largely because we haven't had the resources to, you know, make it a uh, huge multimedia campaign, like commercials on TV, ads and newspapers. Mm -hmm. We want to make this a household word. Yes. Word so every black person knows they're philanthropists; They can shape the future.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you use the term philanthropy, a lot of people tend to get nervous and shy away because it brings to mind in many instances, uh, Dr. Copeland, someone who has large sums of, to use a better term, disposable income or extra money that they can give and donate. Can you talk about the whole root of philanthropy and, and who qualifies as a philanthropist?
1: Uh, sure thing. Um, one thing I want to preface my statement by saying that we need to be very careful about this, the ways that we can sometimes adopt white models and worldviews that don't represent our reality and mm-hmm. actually write us out as history an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so philanthropy is the case in point. Philanthropy, the Greek root of it just means love of humanity.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's
1: not one community or culture or society on the planet that does not have some way of expressing and organizing resources towards the goal of love for humanity. Mm-hmm. And that includes black people. And that includes people of any financial level because philanthropy from a Global post-cultural perspective is simply the giving of time, talent, treasure, or voice to help out your fellow human beings or community or the
0: world. But if
1: that's what it is, anybody who gives out of the goodness of their heart is a philanthropist.
0: Thank you, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. It was that.
1: not created by you know if we, there's a book that just came out that has a whole bunch of ancient African proverbs mm-hmm. around philanthropy that have existed for millennia. And so we have to know and own our history, which is that, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I've been studying black history since I was a teenager, and I still learn things that I didn't know about. Absolutely. But this one is really important. We have to raise our kids so that they know that they're philanthropists, because what that says is, you know, the the typical stereotype of us is that there's so many, but that we're the world's supplicant. We're always looking for something, but we don't help anybody else. Mm -hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's right. And then I, mean, I mentioned studies that say that we give the highest proportion of our income to philanthropy, African American students. And it's huge. They have an $11 billion just in the U.S. Um, economy of giving every year. And yes. so I think we need to own our story and our power.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things uh, I'd like to point out. That, that I'd like you to, to highlight is the fact that as people of African descent, African diasporan descent, we have always, as you said, participated in philanthropic activities and the whole concept of giving circles that all originated from the African tradition of the Susu, which was uh, individuals pooling their resources together to help someone uh, establish a business or, you know, maybe take care of some outstanding uh, financial responsibilities that they have. That's always been uh, built into the uh, African tradition. Um, would you speak please a little bit about the whole concept of the giving circle as it's connected to the Susu? Yeah. Well,
1: it's not just the Susu. I mean, every African uh, community has had some version of a rotating giving or a credit association. And I've actually on the scholarly side of my career have written an article about this because it's both a social structure, a way we actually organize in our communities to accumulate resources Mm -hmm. for some shared goal, um, supporting both the individual and the community. But, It it is also a mindset, right? Yes. A way to go, it's an ethic that says that we should help each other out. We should engage in cooperative economics. Yes. And in fact, when we do the research specifically on the Susu, which comes from Esusu, which is a word from the Yoruba people of West Africa, mostly now in southwestern Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You will even find foodsuits in Jamaica and mm-hmm. much of the Caribbean, uh and South America and the US is actually a shortened version of the Yellow words, which refers to this vote um giving and investment uh association. And so um I believe that that whole mindset was at the backbone of the the giving that was largely organized by black churches uh, during the, the 18th and 19th century. Uh, we've seen a real renaissance in giving circles among African uh, Americans uh, in particular and others. But um, the African-American ones also include these um, structures are very, very active in um, black immigrant communities. And so and so it's interesting to me, like in Minnesota, the mm-hmm. Mali's arrived and organized their, their own giving and uh, mutual support circles. And before you knew it, people were... Developing um, shopping malls and small businesses everywhere, and it's interesting. African Americans were often like, you know, where did they get the money from to do this? I mean, they just got here. These are people of modest means, but this was this is what can happen mm-hmm. when you pull pull your resources. Yes, uh, and often uh, these uh, refugees, black immigrants. Can't even get a bank account, but they use their own. They've been using their own funds, and I, I have found it very enriching, and really a, an important way to revitalize our giving. And I've been really delighted at the explosion of giving circles, like uh, Black, Black, Black benefactors that mm-hmm. provide a way for us to pull our resources uh, and really amplify the impact of our activism. It makes a huge difference, especially at the community, local community level.
0: Yes, yes. And I would venture to say also, uh, Dr. Copeland, that, uh, up a shining example of the whole concept would be, you know, what blossomed in Tulsa, Oklahoma with uh, Black Wall Street many years ago, where that whole community yeah. flourished specifically because they supported each other and they, uh, you know, supported each other's businesses and pooled their resources together. And that's really an example of what can happen when we do, you know, follow our own principles uh, from a uh from an from an African diasporic uh, concept and uh yeah first floor sure. Dr Kwanza Kunjufu talked about that uh when I was attending Brooklyn College uh he talked about the whole that's what I heard about the first time I heard about the Susu he said they have a meeting they invite everybody to a meeting everybody brings a hundred dollars and everybody brings a business plan and everybody uh, contributes to hundred dollars whoever has the best business plan they get. The, the whole pool of money but before they walk out they have to agree I'm going to be your media production person you're going to be uh, my fundraiser you're going to be my barber you're going to be my child care so that all the money stays in the room or aka in the community um, and so that that's a whole yeah that
1: is one way, one way of organizing it I mean oh. what, a, what most of them do though mm-hmm. is um, people agree they usually have some kind of social connection.
2: Mm-hmm. They go
1: to this, I mean, they're in the same for ethnic group or sorority or from the same hometown, something. Mm-hmm. And they agree on a certain amount that you contribute every month. And then, um, if it's focused on business investment, everyone gets a chance to use the money at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if you continue every month, maybe Joe gets a chance to use it in September, but then um, Jamie gets to use it in December. And that's the way, that's why they call them rotating,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. everybody gets a chance. So there. But now there are so many ways, even though that's the classical model,
2: mm-hmm. there
1: are so many ways... So organizing and people are, uh, you know, making them investment clubs, and uh, so I think it is one of the hottest trends, philanthropy, because you can take like a hundred or five hundred dollars or whatever it is mm-hmm. and magnify its impact
0: yes absolutely absolutely um, now one of the other things um, that I noticed um with great interest when I was looking through the uh, perusing the website is the uh, the city state proclamation um that uh, black yeah. month can you talk a little bit about that uh, that that caught my interest
1: yeah when I started it it was being debuted at this uh, It was called the new in international year for people of African descent, and we were doing this summit. Poppy and mm-hmm. and I, so I started this process of getting proclamation because you know when you get a proclamation, sometimes when you have a municipality or a state or a multilateral agency or even a country, it's not it's not like a holiday, but it is a commemoration. Mm-hmm. So I started this process. Actually, wrote up a template whereby any municipality, state, or government entity can declare every August Black Philanthropy Month. And once we started doing that, especially with those government bodies who took it seriously, Mm -hmm. and it would, you know, every August would at least tell their constituents or remind them this is Black Philanthropy Month. We acknowledge... The giving and the contribution of black people to their communities and the world. They, they're a positive agent for good. That has helped Black Philanthropy Month flow like wildfire because it's not been just online activities and outreach. It's also included thousands of people who are organizing every single August mm-hmm. Black Philanthropy Month. Celebrations and events in, in their local area. Mm-hmm. And that has really, really taken off. And so we now have, well, first of all, the UN, uh, for both this international year, which became an international decade for people of African descent, they recognize Black Philanthropy Month with a proclamation. Wow. And then um, we now have altogether about 30. Um, government entities and we're actually trying to now um, expand these proclamations
0: uh, in Africa and throughout the, the diaspora. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, and as I was looking at the list, I, I noticed that uh, we haven't gotten uh, New York to commit to that as of yet. When I saw the list, I was like, wait a minute, New York is not on there. So I think that would be certainly something that you know, sh- you know, we can collectively pursue from various different aspects because um, I think that would be very important. Well.
1: Yeah, if you have contacts, I mean, because the way this happens is we don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. On our website, uh, you'll find a template, and yes, anybody I saw it. can take that template. Mm-hmm. Who knows a government official? This happens with um, the state of Indiana this year. Mm-hmm. Our partner, really, Family School of Philanthropy. Uh, Thought that it would make sense for Indiana to declare every August Black Philanthropy Month. Mm -hmm. And so they reached out to their contact, gave them the template, and there's proclamation. And I'm sure that they will follow up for the year. All right. It's a simple process. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can stick it on or anybody who listens uh, to this um, podcast Mm -hmm. as as well. And we will help facilitate, but go to. Our website, blackglanderpeamonts.com, mm-hmm. to find the proclamation. And you are free to use it because we're trying to build a movement.
0: Yes, so, absolutely. So, you
1: know, we don't we don't hoard it bad or consider it proprietary. We want you to use
0: it. Understood. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, so today's the 31st and Friday was 828. There was a yep. significance of that. As far as a, a, a big giving day. And I know it was also Young Black and Giving Back. Um, they do uh, some major initiatives on that day. So, talk a little bit about 828 and uh, the significance of it.
1: Well, I'm going to start yeah, with August. Okay. August, and I, I, just, I want people to know that August is an important month for Black people because of what happens in Black history during the month of August. And in particular, August is called Black August. I'm not sure your listeners realize that.
2: Mm. And that has
1: been a commemoration that's been in place, I think, since nineteen seventies. And it's basically a way to honor black freedom fighters, um, particularly those who have been killed to racism or uh, just uh, state-sponsored violence. And it's a time, really, to reflect and learn about our legacy and rededicate ourselves to, you know, really fighting anti-Black racism, colonialism. And as a part of that, there are all of these other commemorations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it's not like there is a Black August organizing body. It's it's a historical moment, and enough people know it that we end up organizing all of these events in August, including 828, which is um, used to be called Give Black Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they changed it to focus on this important date. Okay. Um, Emmett Till was killed Mm. on August 28th. Murdered, lynched Mm -hmm. on August 28th. Um, Slavery ended in the UK on August 28th. And so it's really interesting throughout the world,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: there are all of these um, developments, positive and negative, that happened on August 28th.
2: Mm -hmm. And this
1: very um, enterprising um, woman, uh, Ebony, who created Young Black, Young Gifted and Giving Black, has organized this campaign every um, August 28th to highlight grassroots organizations led by and serving black people. And this year raised, I think, a quarter of a million dollars on through her online campaign to support them. Um, you can, anybody can go to 8-28.org uh, to see who these organizations are and give to them. And often people say, well, I don't know where to give. How do I find the right organization? So that's one way. You can find um, grassroots Black organizations that are really serving mm-hmm. and getting help to people at a local level. Um, and that's kind of the genesis of it. Oh,
2: okay. uh, it's
1: really a uh, the intersection of our history, the mm-hmm. long-term historical trends, but and then the ingenuity of Black, both the entrepreneurs and activists like Ebony and others, um, you know, trying to organize resources to support our people, which I must say, and this is part of Black Philanthropy Month this year, 46% of black businesses have closed. A third of all COVID deaths in the U.S. are black. Yes. And we have at least, a 20% unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. In some places, I just learned that black men in Oakland have a 54% unemployment rate. Wow. And one of the things I mean, with with COVID and this recession and the very prominent lynching just recently, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're talking about George Floyd, Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor, the Platt, this the only time we make progress in our country is when we make, we are very serious about our giving. Mm. We have to come together and give whatever we can, whether it's money, volunteering, uh, moral support, advocacy, activism, because that is the only thing that keeps the attention of the powers that be and also give our community a lifeline to survive during hard times. It's like the social glue that holds us together. Yes. And, you know, even if people are laid off right now, there's something that you can do with your time, um, whatever talents you have mm-hmm. to contribute to the broader community. And we all need to be giving any way we can, Mm-hmm. Especially if you have financial resources,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you need to be helping somebody beyond even your immediate family, because we are just—we're all—we all have the same death, yes. and we can't—we can't expect that just because we're individually successful that. You know, the story at this point of history is anybody could be George Floyd. Anybody could be Breonna Taylor. It doesn't even matter if you're wealthy.
2: Yeah, you that's right. You walk
1: outside and you sweat, you are, you are considered a sweat mm-hmm. in America still or yeah. yes. any other
0: places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing I want to say um, as we get ready to, you know, kind of uh, close things out is... Today's the 31st, and this is the last day of um, Black Philanthropy Month. So now we have 11 months to get back to this point next year. So Mm -hmm. what takes place starting tomorrow to lead up to to Black Philanthropy Month 2021?
1: All right. Well, first thing is this year, in part driven by the COVID crisis, and a need for a huge infusion of economic justice and Mm -hmm. investment in black communities to to turn things around. We have co-created something called the global new black funding principle. Mm -hmm. And throughout all of our convenings, we have been issuing a poll and a survey, which I will send you as well um, asking black people in particular to vote on the strategy mm-hmm. that they think would accelerate and scale up our recovery from COVID.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm.
1: And so we started, we're now organizing and refining those principles, and we're going to continue to push out the survey for mm-hmm. so the polls through the month of September. And then um, our intention as the WISE Fund, which is now the backbone organization for Black Philanthropy month, okay. is going to follow up on coordinating mm-hmm. implementation of these principles. Okay. And as a preview, I will tell you, in Africa and the U.S., there were two primary principles. I think there are about 10 of them. And the first one, and I'm just going to, um, summarize trust grassroots black nonprofits. They're not getting their fair share of funding and they are really critical to supporting our communities. I would say trust black, non, invest in black nonprofits mm-hmm. and small businesses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the second one, was the whole corporations and foundations accountable for all of their recent proclamations about funding black communities equitably.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The concern being that there's long lit service, but it won't be sustained with action.
2: Right.
1: And so um, we hope to come up with a concrete plan. We hope to convene. Um, Conversations about how to implement uh, that plan to which every person who's interested would be welcome. For the WISE Fund, we're going to do our first round of giving to uh, Black and Indigenous-led climate change organizations, environment, race is huge for Black and Indigenous people worldwide throughout the United States. We tend to live in the most polluted areas, and the water is increasingly scarce. And so, this is a huge issue that sort of cuts across everything that we are. But there are innovators who are Black and Indigenous who could help in the global uh, effort to fight climate change. But they can't get funding. And so, we're 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 going to support, do our part, and support some of them as an example of how we can do funding for these creative organizations. Uh, We're going to try to continue to grow the black philanthropy movement. We call it BPM 365.
0: Yes. Yes. Um,
1: Organizing and training people so they can learn how to get uh, resources We're also going to continue um, the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network. It's now called ReUnity. And um, we just had a summit, a women's summit, this past uh, Saturday. Uh, Women are taking on a lot of the responsibility for intimate family care, elders, children, people sick with COVID, trying to work, uh, trying to, you know, organize, giving and social justice in their community, and frankly, we're stressed. Mm-hmm. And yes. so we're going to continue to do a whole range of uh, special support uh, for women that really focus on how we can be well while doing good
2: mm-hmm.
1: because we're such an important partner in our community yes, to uplift our families, our businesses, and nonprofits. And we, we need some help right now. We're exhausted. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're trying to support our community giving from every imaginable, imaginable perspective, but it's not just about us. It's about what we do together. All of the people who helped organize Black like philanthropy moms, uh, solar philanthropy, um, I don't know if you know that um, Glada Fullwood uh, published a book called Um of Philanthropy, a 400-page hardback um, volume that depicts African-American philanthropy. Well, she's doing now an um, exhibit, exhibit, including yes. virtual exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, my other partner, Tracy, Tracy Webb. Uh, black benefactors is very pioneering and trying to help others create uh, giving circles. Um, I could go through the whole list of amazing women from Brazil, Africa, uh, the Caribbean, etc., who are doing creative work. We um, will invite people. I'll give you this information to become a member. It's free mm-hmm. of the Unity which is the, the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network because what women do there is they might be in Rwanda or in, I don't know, Atlanta and have an idea for a project but don't know how to get started, and we just provide advice and resource support mm-hmm. uh, to each other. Yeah, so we're trying to create, we're trying to take what we already do mm-hmm. and organize it so it's easy to find for anyone That is a movement where we can can, um, increase the impact of what
0: we do together for our people. Okay. So now, so just so I'm clear and so our listeners are clear, so uh, um, hashtag BPM365, that's where people can go and and stay up to date on, you know, activities and, and opportunities to get involved with um, Black Philanthropy Month specifically and also um, the larger uh, giving and uh, philanthropic activities? I'm going
1: to give you two websites. Mm-hmm. And um, one is BlackPhilanthropyMonth.com.
0: Okay, that one I have. All right. And the
1: other is the wisefund.org.
0: Okay, yes, yes.
1: And, and between those two, you will stay up to speed or get contact to others in our movement.
0: Very good. Very good. And
1: people, uh, too, if they if they were unable to go to the summit, which had speakers like Vangelis, former NAACP CEO, Poladad O'Brien, Bakari Sellers, there were 60 speakers, um, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. they can get access to that for free
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, um, at any time until June of next year. Okay, and that is by going to b i c dot l y backslash black summit.
0: Okay, can you just repeat that? Can you just repeat um, that? I'm going to tell you
1: this, but you can find it on the Black Philanthropy Month site, too. Oh, oh,
0: okay. So, uh, I think this is a very, very enlightening and engaging conversation. I I learned a, a bunch today, which is always great, and I'm thankful for you to... Have taken time out to to grace the show with your presence and I'm looking forward to staying abreast of all the activities and, you know, contributing in whatever manner that I can. So I do want to thank you. Um, and as we get ready to wrap up, Dr. Copeland, I always like to ask my guests to leave our listeners with a parting thought that they can take as they hear the end of this Interview.
1: Well, no matter what people say, no matter the COVID, no matter the recession, no matter continuing anti-Black racism, this is not the most difficult period in our history. And our history has proven that we do have the power in our own hands to make our liberation real. So I encourage everyone to continue the culture and tradition of giving and mutual support that has made our survival and success in America and the
0: world possible. Wow. Thank you. And on that note, we're going to end it on that note. That was an excellent way to wrap up this interview. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, um, to all our listeners. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Kelson on the air social work podcast. Uh, this is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. I've been speaking with and, uh, learning from our distinguished guests, Dr. Jacqueline Bouvier-Copeland. Uh, from California she's the founder of Black Philanthropy Month and also the Wise Fund and so once again ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in and you've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast thank you very much Dr. Copeland for gracing our show with your presence alright well it's been
1: a pleasure and thanks for all you too. thank you
0: this is Silas your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show you've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast this and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production.